0: Hey, all welcome to Geeking Out, the podcast about all geeky aspects of software delivery, DevOps, observability, reliability, and everything in between. I'm your host, Adriana Villela, coming to you from Toronto, Canada. And today, geeking out with me, I have Hinata Horsha. Welcome, Hinata.
1: Hi, uh, nice to meet you. I'm Hinata Hosha, I'm a principal of. Um, cloud DevOps security, uh, actually platform engineering uh, with Slalom Build. I have been at Slalom since 2019. I love my job. I love what I do and I love technology.
0: Awesome. And where are you calling in from today, Henata?
1: I am based off Toronto, Canada, like Adriana.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Yay. Fellow Torontonian, fellow Canadian, and fellow, fellow Brazilian. Canadian. And fellow (laughs) Brazilian as well. (laughs) All the things, all the things. Cool. Okay, so we're going to start off with some warm-up questions. First question, lefty or righty?
1: I'm a lefty. I'm a very proud lefty. I do everything with my left hand. My right hand is absolutely useless.
0: (laughs) Yay, you're the first lefty that we've had, and I'm so happy to have a fellow lefty on the show, um, because I, too, am a proud lefty. And International Lefty Day is on August 13th, so...
1: I did not know that. That makes total sense, by the way.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm super excited for Lefty Day, and I always forget about it until after the fact, so I'm hoping I'll observe it this year. So lefties unite. Okay, next question. uh, iPhone or Android?
1: Uh, iPhone. Uh, It's interesting because I actually would prefer an Android, but it's been a while since they released a very small flagship Android phone. All the flagship Androids are huge, bulky phones, and I have very tiny hands, okay? So I have been an iPhone user because it's the smallest flagship phone I could find in the market. I would go back to an Android any day if they release a smallest uh, Android flagship phone, okay? Just because of that.
0: Yeah, fair enough. I, I actually miss the really small phones. Do you remember those little tiny Nokia phones that everyone used to have? Uh, the little Absolutely, I
1: love those. Oh, yeah, they were so cute, right? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm under five foot tall, okay? I'm very petite. So my tiny hands would rather have a small phone that fit into just one hand. I don't have like two hands
0: to type. Yes, yeah, they yeah. don't
1: think about people like me when they design I don't know, phones. Right?
0: I, I do feel like we're outnumbered by like, like taller people here in Canada, like awesome. Um, next question: <laughs> Mac, Linux, or Windows? Oh, um,
1: great question. I'm I love Linux, but I have been a Mac user for a number of years. I think Mac offers a great desktop environment with also a great Unix-like uh, system, so I can do everything in terms of programming development on a Mac uh, with a pretty. Environment in front of me. But for systems, okay, my setup, my servers, they are all Linux, obviously. Um, Windows is a no
0: no. I don't touch that. Okay. <laughs> I'm kind of the same with you there, actually. Yeah, I, I cry every time I have to touch a Windows machine. Oh I'm sorry. God, I feel dirty. don't mean to offend, but I'm just not my thing.
1: <laughs> no, no, I feel dirty. Okay. Yeah. Awful.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Next question: Favorite programming language?
1: Oh, Python! Absolutely. Oh, me yeah. too. I love Python. Yeah. Oh, Python is beautiful. It totally makes sense. Know. You know. I spent many years thinking like, "Oh my God, I hate programming. I hate programming." And then one day I discovered Python, and it was like, "Okay, I love programming."
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I I feel it's like a pleasure to program in Python. It always makes me happy whenever I touch Python code. So I totally get you.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right, next one, Dev or Ops? Oh, Ops, yeah,
1: yeah. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I kind come of from a, yeah, I come from a being background. Okay, I have been a sys. I feel like inside of me there is a sysadmin. I will always be a sysadmin.
0: Okay, so Ops, any day. Fair enough. Fair enough. And and that will tie right nicely into our our topic of discussion in a little bit. Okay, two more questions. I I think I know the answer to this one. JSON or YAML?
1: Um, YAML, yeah, yeah. Um, JSON is weird. And I think you can do pretty much everything with YAML. YAML is uh, just easier, but I don't know. That's tough. Um, Yeah, you kind of have to do it. Not my favorite thing.
0: (laughs) Uh, Can I just say um, HCL? Oh, yeah, I, I'm right there with you, actually, because I always tell people like, I feel like HCL is the love child of JSON and YAML. Um, because it's like, it's got all the, I, I think it's it's got the nice organizational stuff of, of JSON without like the clutter, which is what yes. I like about YAML, it's uncluttered. So yes, I yeah. am totally there with you.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just works in my mind. The first time I saw HCL, I was like, "Yeah, this is right. This just rings a bell." And uh, yeah, I love it. I think it's
0: beautiful. Totally, totally agree. And for for those who are not familiar with HCL, it's uh, I think it stands for HashiCorp. HashiCorp Configuration Language. I think that's what it stands yes. for. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 Which is used for all the all the Hashi products, which is super awesome. Yes. All right. finally. And, uh, and uh, yeah. Sorry. No, oh, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish the train of. I breath. was
1: just going to say that I'm a HashiCorp fangirl. fangirl okay. Uh,
0: you know what? I I have become too. Um, mostly, I, I know, like you work with a lot of Terraform. For me, my HashiCorp fangirldom comes from working on Nomad. So I yeah. I can totally I can totally relate. <laughs> Nomad, very underrated product very underrated totally agree and maybe we can talk about that a little bit later as well Mm -hmm. final final question do you prefer to consume content through video or through a blog a blog absolutely i
1: like reading stuff okay uh the video uh things sometimes i'm i'm on the bed and it's late at night and i don't want sound i don't want to see things and on a blog i can just read at my own pace um, yeah, I prefer reading stuff. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm the same way. I, it, of all the people I've asked so far, like everyone, everyone is like blog over video. So I've mm. yet to encounter, I've yet to encounter a video person. I know they're out there, <laughs> but yeah, I've okay. yet to encounter one. Yeah, you're, you're making a video. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But this is also, yeah, this is also going to be out in audio. So okay. I guess you, then there's the question audio versus video. I'm more of an audio person because then I can um, a podcast person. So I like to like walk and listen to podcasts.
1: I like video. Um, I need the visual cues. Um, I don't podcasts feel weird for me.
0: I need to yeah, see sure. people talking. Yeah. I can appreciate that. What I do like is video with subtitles.
1: Oh, perfect. that is perfect. Video with subtitles. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that is. See, because you can read and then you can also see people's
0: faces. Yeah. Yeah, I'm totally there with you. Cool. Well, let's move on to our our main topic, because as you pointed out earlier today is international
1: yeah, today is July 28th. It's the last Friday uh, of July. It has been International sysadmin Appreciation Day since the year 2000. Uh, like I said, I have been a sysadmin in the past. And then I moved to cloud engineering, platform engineering, how we we are doing it today. Uh, and I feel like these practices, okay, they wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the sysadmins of the... Um, early days. Okay, we wouldn't have these things if it wasn't for systems administration. So happy sysadmin day, although we won't be seeing this video later. But uh, yeah, sysadmin day.
0: Yay. So, you know, like from your your background as a sysadmin, like what is it, you know, because you you said dev, uh, sorry, ops over dev. What is it about sysadmin that you love so much that you think people like really, really underappreciate? the
1: thing that people don't see is when you are a very good citizen min and you know what you're doing you are, your work is supposed to not be seen okay the citizen mean is supposed to be invisible because the system just works uh, and the citizen mean is someone that is not there because you don't need to see that. Okay, you only notice your sysadmin when things crash, when things are wrong, when things are broken. So if you are good at your job, you're not appreciated, you are not seen, you're not uh, present. Okay, so that is the interesting part of being a sysadmin. Uh, but it's very, very satisfying uh, to look at your uptime and see that your systems are up, that things are working that things are things are just fine. Okay. I love seeing my all my monitoring statistics and seeing, yeah, everything is so finely tuned. Everything is working so fine. That ties a little bit into observability as well. Observability is I know you are observability person. Okay. You. So yeah. <laughs> like I said, everything I kind of like branched it off, okay, and became like a specialized feature. Of all the things that we used to do in systems, okay, and today, of course, we, how computers evolved and how we do things these days, they became their own specific practices uh, and fields in their own. So, yeah. But I still love, uh, like, I have this passion for the way, like, it's a type of nostalgia uh, in a certain way of the, how we did things in the past and uh this appreciation for people who are still managing systems especially more um old school systems are still in operation i know there are people who still manage mainframes these days and that's such hard work okay yeah. it's amazing it's oh my god very
0: specialized
1: skill <laughs> yes 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 and you don't find many of them okay right. yeah
0: yeah, I, uh, as a student, I, I don't talk about this much because it was very traumatic, but I had a summer job working in the mainframe department of RBC <laughs> and my God, <laughs> it was, it was something, it was something I made a, a I will say an, an air quotes, a COBOL code change that it was like I don't know. I think it was like commenting something out or whatever, and it took like forever to push that through because you had like the job control language at the time, so the language to compile the language, and it I was like, ah oh, man, that no, not for me.
1: <laughs> As someone who has also touched some COBOL code back in the day, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I, I have some feelings, like I said, nostalgia. Uh not necessarily want to go back there. But uh I'm gonna say that I have played with some virtual instances uh running systems just for fun. Okay. Oh my just- God. <laughs>
0: yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Very, very cool. Yeah. So as as a sysadmin, what What do you think has been like the biggest change that you've seen over the years as your, you know, as technology has evolved, as your career has evolved? So,
1: and I, sometimes I talk to people that I interview, okay. And that worse, that are still working in systems and they are moving towards platform engineering and, and what I think of what I used to do. And the biggest paradigm shift is that you used to log in directly into the machine, okay, and debug whatever was going wrong and fix it. Uh, So you had this control over each machine that you were running, okay? You were very, very close to the system, okay? To be quite honest with you, that feels very good. It gives you a sense of control. Uh, And with cloud and platform engineering, you don't do that anymore you simply don't log into the machine anymore and uh you have so many layers of abstraction especially if you're running something like serverless code okay Mm -hmm. you just oh something is broken something is wrong um you just fix that on your on your terraform code for instance and then you redeploy it okay so you don't even go to the machine anymore you just fix your code and you redeploy it and then it's back up online so it is a different way of thinking on how you are going to troubleshoot the problems and how you are going to deal with whatever is running your code so it works differently okay it's a lot of abstraction on top of it and you are not so close to the server as you used to be and you are probably going to miss it when you start working uh, with so many abstractions in front of it okay I understand that uh, and like I said I miss it 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 was fun but at the same time uh, it gives you a lot of power because you had to go machine by machine to fix the problems and now you can fix the problem in hundreds of machines at the same time and that is so
0: amazing that is so true Yeah. Do you think that like having been like, you know, an an old school sysadmin where you were like physically touching your machines, do do you think that gives you a better appreciation then for the types of things that, you know, are happening in the cloud versus, you know, the newer folks coming into it who have not known sysadmin in that same way where you're like going in, sometimes going into a data center and physically touching a machine. Um, do Do you think that gives you an advantage as a result?
1: I hate saying better or advantage, but it gives me a different perspective, mm-hmm. okay? I work with a lot of people who have never been inside a data center in their lives. And when I tell them that, I yeah, I used to work inside a data center and it's freezing cold, it's weird, There are like these noises, and, and it's kind of soothing. Uh, the noise of a data center, okay? You just have to wear a jacket because it's so cold.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. And they're
1: like, oh, my God, did you work at a data center? Like, it was the craziest thing they've ever heard. And, yeah, it was a great job, by the way. I liked it very much. Um, Yeah, I would ride my bike to the office if the data center was actually downtown. I would ride okay. my bike there and then work there all day. We didn't have, it, like, Windows because it was a data center. It was Felt like this box, like surrounded by computers uh, for hours, and then I would ride my back bike back home. Yeah, great job, loved it. All uh, oh, lots of cables. It felt so sci-fi, so cyberpunk.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> these are so cool. If if anyone ever has had an opportunity to like work at a data center or tour a data center, it is surreal.
1: <laughs> it is surreal. Okay, it feels like living in the future. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. Uh, like uh, so disconnected from life like all the people walking around living their lives and then suddenly you are
0: in that box of computers yeah, right? yeah. Uh, and but- and, like, and you're holding the keys to the kingdom to the computer kingdom because like you've you've got like the admin passwords you can do some serious damage like you know, no, as, mm-hmm. as, as admin, I mean, e- even as, as like a cloud engineer, same, same sort of thing. But I, I think there's like a different, it's a different feeling. <laughs> it's a
1: different feeling. Yeah. You have this power that like, yeah, if you do something wrong, a lot of things go wrong, but at the same time, you feel so isolated from everything else that is around you because it's this black box. So, so completely separated from the life outside you, like I have the story that I was uh, at the shop at the data center, and there was a city wide blackout, okay that mm-hmm. lasted maybe a couple hours. And I didn't know it was happening ah. because the data center has backup generators, yeah, directly connected wow. to whatever. Uh, and until someone told me, "Did you know there's a blackout happening outside? It's CD-wide?" I was like, no. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah, the entire city has lost power.
0: Okay, amazing. That's why I like working here. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. I, I have a similar story because when Toronto had that big blackout in 2003, I think it, it might have been before you moved here, I believe. It was right? before I moved here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so in 2003, we had that massive blackout that lasted like a day, and a bit. And I was working at, um, at a client site, the client at the time was bell and we were at their, uh, we were in the building next door to their central office. So like the central office where they keep like all their, you know, network equipment and stuff, Uh phone stuff. Right. And so because we worked next door to the central office, um, there was backup. We had the backup power as well because the buildings were attached. So when there was the blackout, the lights blipped like very quickly, and then it was like, all good. And so we're like, la la la, keep on working. And then at the end of the workday, like we started getting messages, like there's no power in Toronto. We're like, what? <laughs> Meanwhile, there's like power in the building. The elevators were still working. Like everything was fine. And then you go outside, it's like complete chaos. Everything's out, traffic lights, stop Everything right. is out. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the it's nice little bubble. <laughs> the
1: nice little bubble. Okay. And that feels very comforting. And like you said, it feels like a lot of power. Okay, Uh, that you are in this place that has everything. It has like the fastest internet access you can imagine. It has power Mm -hmm. even when the entire city is in a blackout. Um, Yeah, it is fascinating. It is such a great experience. And although I don't feel I, um, I have an advantage or I feel better than the people who didn't have this experience, it gave me a different perspective. Uh, I feel like I have learned uh, what I do today um, at a slower pace. And I saw the Internet growing since the very early days of the Internet. And I was inside uh, what was the Internet back in the day. (laughs)
0: yeah advantage that that's something like people from our generation like it's I feel like it's you know something that that folks like you know my daughter was born in 2008. she she's like grown up in a world with with like computers uh, like it's ubiquitous smartphones like this is stuff where like we're growing up along with it. it's like oh internet oh cell phones oh smartphones. We're all connected. Whoa, this is weird. Like social media was not a thing when we were, <laughs> when we were growing up. I mean, good luck trying to reach somebody. <laughs> They're not home. Yeah. To reach them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we, people's phone numbers.
1: <laughs> phone numbers, yeah. So, like when I was a kid, we didn't even have like phones, landlines so easily this way. And a lot of people didn't have landlines. My husband only had a landline when he was like 10 years old. people had to write letters to each other imagine that
0: (laughs) the letters I had a pen pal when I was growing up and I you know I totally remember like my mom used to tell me stories of like when we were living in in Rio I was too young to remember but she was saying like there was like for a time like we didn't have a phone yet so she had to like use the neighbor's phone to make phone calls like it was not the easiest thing to procure it was like kind of a (laughs) kind of a process to procure a phone line. And these are things we take for granted now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, where my my husband
1: used to live, which was um, a neighborhood um, in Rio, Jacarapaguá, they had like this phone in the center of like the neighborhood where Hmm. people used to go and make a call because people didn't have landlines where they lived. Like, yeah, crazy. And you think of it like, oh, must have been like a very rural area. No, 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 it was just like, a normal neighborhood actually kind of an upscale neighborhood it was just because landlines were not everywhere back then yeah yeah. not a lot of people had them
0: and i remember rotary dial phones when i was growing up in rio too which like (laughs) came here it's like what it's not rotary dial phones (laughs) I still have fond memories of those.
1: <laughs> I can hear the noise. Right. I saw something fascinating recently. I went to a doctor's office here in Toronto. Okay, and there was like this emergency phone in um, um, the doctor, the doctor's office, and it was a rotary phone. Uh, and there was a sign next to it teaching people how to use a rotary phone. <laughs>
0: so cute the things we take for granted we're like of course that's how you use a rotary phone and like people are like "Eh." (laughs) yeah yeah
1: wait for the dial tone after the (laughs) dial tone you put a finger on on the number and then
0: oh my god and then you have to wait for it to like come back Ah, good times. I, I kind of missed good rotary phones. Yeah, <laughs> fun memories. <laughs> fun memories. Yeah. And they were cute. They were cute. Yeah, yeah. Weird. We had a
1: red one, like classic red rotary phone one. Yeah. Oh, that's um, adorable.
0: My beige. It was one.
1: adorable. <laughs> yeah. There was also the beige ones. They were also very classic. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yes. Um,
1: but yeah, it's funny to see how things evolved, and they evolved very fast. And I think the beautiful thing about working in technology is how you see things going from like the old rotary phones and then the dial tone phones okay and then the internet which leads us to the different fields the specializations we have on platform engineering sre etc and now uh, the new field of ai that people are like oh my god ai etc it's just a new field Okay, And we need to learn how to deal with this new tool, this new technology, and how it ties together into the other things that we do. And that's the beauty of it, right? Uh, This is why I do this. This is why I'm so fascinated by technology. I love learning things. I love being immersed in it. And I'm absolutely uh, fascinated about learning whatever new thing, whatever new tool that People bring us today, tomorrow, uh, next year.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. It's 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 interesting because like I, I'm the same way. I'm like new technology, giddy up, give me more. I want to learn more about it. And and yet like some people are so terrified of technology, and we see this across our industry. We see it especially like in large corporations whenever there's like big you know transformations, whether it's a digital transformation or DevOps, Agile, whatever. Even bringing in observability. Um, There is like such this resistance to change that can get uh, if legitimately freaks people out, right? Because to a certain extent, like, I think we're, we're creatures of comfort and we like what we know and understand and having to deal with something that's a brand new learning curve can be terrifying. But uh, like, what kind of advice do you have for people who, you know, find themselves in this scary place where they're resisting change?
1: Try to find yourself in a place which is fifty percent comfort and fifty percent challenge. Okay, that's a very good measure of what will bring yourself um, still that cozy space where you feel yeah, uh, this is this is good. This gives me like this warm hug, this warm embrace of things that I'm comfortable with, but also doesn't make you bored because once you get bored, you don't have anything to look forward to. And this is what makes us human, okay? If we didn't have any challenges, if we didn't have anything to look forward, any goals in life, we would still live in, would still be living in the middle ages. We would, would still like be cooking, uh, uh, eating raw food. Uh, we wouldn't be working with computers today. Uh, and that's what makes us different from um, other animals, is what makes us special, okay? Um, yeah, this is pretty much what I try to tell people: that find that sweet balance of comfort and challenge. Because also, if you do challenges all the time, you're going to burn out. You're going to exhaust yourself. It's unsustainable. So find exactly how much comfort you, uh, how much comfort you can, at the same time, with, while finding that amount of challenge that makes you want to do something new.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Cause I and I think the um, that's such a great approach because that way, as you said, you're not like you know going all in on it, and then that can be super overwhelming. But getting to a point where it's just like, oh, okay, this is like interesting enough. Um, I'm gonna like poke into it and and kind of build on it iteratively. I think is a, a really great way to approach it. And and I think like in technology, I feel like because the nature of what we do, like it evolves so rapidly. I feel like it can be very overwhelming. So I think people like get freaked out. Oh my God, there's another thing that's changing. Another thing I have to learn. So I think, I, I think to a certain extent, you kind of have to like just pick a thing <laughs> that's interesting that you are that like, okay, I'll dig into this a little bit more. And then, you know, dig into that, like and get into this habit of like, always learning a bit. And I, I think what people freak out with is like, they think they have to learn all the things. I have resigned to myself, myself to the fact that I don't know everything, I'll never know any, everything, but I surround myself with people who know things and that's okay.
1: That is a great point, okay? You don't have to know everything. You, It's impossible to know everything and you will never be an expert on anything because things evolve very fast. And like I said before, technology is very dynamic. What you know today is never going to be what is the uh, new technology, new big new thing of tomorrow. So what you have to do is to pick something that you want. Okay, go choose. I want to learn uh, Terraform, something that I don't know. Okay, I know Terraform, but just an example. I want to learn Terraform. It is something that I'm interested. Just pick and choose and learn a little bit. Don't throw yourself in like, I'm going to learn everything about your home today. I tend to do that. So that's some, some advice for myself. <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm totally like that. So learn a little bit of it today and then give myself some time tomorrow. I'm going to do something that I'm comfortable with and then learn a little bit extra just uh, iterative process of learning so I don't exhaust myself and also gives it gives your brain some time to absorb the knowledge. and You don't feel exhausted. You don't feel burned out. The burnout is real. I yes. always tell, especially young people, because they feel they are indestructible and they can learn everything, everywhere, all the time. And then sometimes the burnout kicks in and they feel, oh my god, I cannot learn anything anymore, and I hate this. I will move to a cabin in the woods and never see people ever again. This happened to me, and that's why I keep telling people that it will happen if you don't take care of yourself. Please take care of yourself.
0: It will happen.
1: So give yourself some time, go slowly, slow, easy, and yeah, just pick a subject here and there. You don't have to learn everything. And also no one expects you to know everything because we know it's impossible to know everything
0: yeah i totally agree and i want to go back to your comment earlier about burnout because i i agree with you like when you're young first of all when you're young you feel like you're indestructible invincible but also employers take advantage of that too. They're Mm -hmm. like, well, you don't have a family. You don't have a social, like you just finished university. Of course you can like go and put in the long hours. And I think it's so important for younger folks to like give themselves permission to not do all the things, to take it easy, to not, you know, like have to hustle so hard that they burn out because I, the same thing happened to me when I finished school, like I was in such a, my first, my first rollout of school was like so intense, um, that I burnt out really fast and I hated my life. And then, but the, the only good thing that came out of it was I learned to say no. And I learned to defend myself and stick up for myself in terms of like, you know, okay, I've had it like burnout, my brain doesn't work, like need to take a step back. And I think more young people need to do that. Um, Just because you are, you know, young, don't have a family, whatever, don't have a partner does not mean that you don't deserve to have a life.
1: (laughs) Yeah, my suggestion is always to find an offline hobby. Yes. Something that is unre- completely unrelated to your work. Uh, learn to run, to climb, to do yoga, to paint, go learn to play the drums and musical instruments. Something that is completely unrelated to your work. Uh, you don't need to do some unpaid work.
0: That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. What, what's your go-to uh, activity I like to run, I like to
1: cycle, I do yoga, I have a garden in the summer, I have a ton of activities that I do that are completely unrelated to work, and they help me not think about work, they make me healthy, they make me happy, Uh, they make me a person that is not only the Renata who is at work, the Renata uh, platform engineer, I am a more complete person. And I'm also happier. I have a life that stops at 5 PM.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's such great advice. Um, I totally agree. I I find like I I sometimes have, I, because of my ADHD, I get like the hyper-focus. And so I have a really hard time like peeling myself away from things. And I tend to obsess over unsolved problems and can't shut it off. And sometimes I have to like take myself aside and say, I give you permission to not think about work, to disconnect. And it's, it's okay to give yourself permission to shut off and pursue your things. Like life is not all about work. It's going to be there tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that. I think employers are just looking to make sure that you complete your deliverables, that you're reliable. And, you know, I, I feel like if you do those things, then you're in a good position.
1: I also find that once I started taking care of my mental and physical health uh, after work and not dedicating myself to working 15 hours a day, which I was doing at some point, I became much more productive at work. Yes. Uh, Which kind of makes sense if you think about it. But when you're younger, you don't think about it because I'm healthier, my mind is healthier, my body is healthier, so when I start my day in the morning, I can kick right in, start working, do a lot of things, I can concentrate much better, I'm, I haven't been sick in years, and I used to get sick a lot more, I just work better if I do this, if I just like my hours in a day are in a better person that can do just work for those hours a day, and I was so drained out by the burnout that I was not giving myself fully to work during those uh, during those fifteen hours that I was working before. So there's that.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and I I find also like the act of time boxing your day, you're like holy shit, I got to get all this stuff done by like five o'clock. So you're like, okay, I'm gonna be super efficient, right? Because you want to get as much done as possible, and then it's like. And plus you have something to look forward to at the end of the day. It's like, hey, "Hey, there's like relaxation on the horizon. It's Mm -hmm. awesome. Absolutely.
1: When I have to deliver something and I have a deadline, I like to use a technique called pomodoros. Uh, Some people are very familiar with it. You do 25 minutes of work uh, and then you stop for five and then you do another 25. And after some four uh, of 25, you give yourself a longer break that allows your brain to process the work that you did, need some rest, and it makes me feel way more productive because I just focus and just works very well for some type of people. Uh, it works for me. And if yeah. you are you listening to this, you are not familiar with the Pomodoro technique. There are some timers you can use on your browser or on your uh, code editor. Uh, give it a try. It might work for you as well.
0: Oh, that's very cool. I hadn't heard of that. Um, but I, I definitely like taking the breaks is so, so important. And I, again, like ADHD brain is like, you will not get up from this until you solve this problem. But whenever I do force myself to like walk away and take a break, and I come back, I'm like, oh, shit, I should have done this before.
1: <laughs> Try the Pomodoros, okay? Because they force you to take a break every 25 minutes, and it's a five-minute break. And then you, when you come back, you're like, oh, okay, I can pick this up again. Okay, yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's not a long break, it's a five minutes, okay? I usually I just do maybe like some yoga poses for five minutes, and then I go back. I love yoga. It's a great thing for my mind. It makes me relax. So And then I come back, and then I do it again, and then I keep doing that. And... I don't know. I just write code beautifully when I do this.
0: That's so cool. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna check that out because that that sounds that sounds like something I could use. Um, and also, I'm a huge fan of yoga. Um, I don't think I'm nearly as as advanced in yoga as you are. Um, my flexibility is crap, but I do enjoy it. It's it's nice to like just it challenges your brain because you're like you're so busy like trying to hold the poses you can't think about anything else. So I, I think it's it's a lovely way to just unwind. Yoga,
1: as with anything technology, is not about the flexibility, is about the inner journey. Okay, It's about learning, understanding your body and where you are today. Um, it doesn't matter where you were or just where you were going. Think about yourself, your inner body, where your balance is. So don't think about anything else. It's not about flexibility. It's just about the journey. So if you enjoy it, that's what matters.
0: Yeah, that's actually a really good point. Because I, I, when I first started yoga, I used to get like really mad that I was like, oh, I look like shit doing these poses, right? And then I'm no like, it's okay. Yeah, exactly. As soon as I got over that, like nobody cares, especially when I do it at home. Nobody's watching. So it's great. And and you start to see some progress. I mean, you're competing against yourself, which I think is probably the the most important yes. thing. Right? Are you, Are you improving? Are you getting something out of it? Are you enjoying it?
1: Yeah, exactly. That's why good yoga studios won't have a mirror, because you're not ah. supposed to look at yourself. It's just supposed to feel yourself. Oh, that's cool. Good to know. I like it very much.
0: Yeah, Focus yeah, I, I'm a huge fan. I try to do yoga like once a week. Um, and I, I feel it too if I don't do it. Like every like the joints feel uh, a little stiffer. I'm like, oh, I think ah. I needed this. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and the breathing techniques, they really help me when I'm feeling stressed out, when I'm obsessing over a problem. I just try to focus, recenter, breathe. And that sometimes helps me solve some piece of code that I cannot point or like some architecture that I'm struggling to design. Uh, I have a huge problem using diagramming tools. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I have the idea on my mind, but I don't know where to position things correctly. And then I stop take a deep breath okay do some breathing exercise and when i look at the diagram again i'm like oh yeah here
0: write this and then yeah the the power of stepping away taking a mental break from your work um cannot be it can cannot be underestimated it's uh, yeah yeah Awesome! Awesome. Um, switching gears a little bit. Um, well, I guess going going back to something that you talked about earlier. Um, you know, the the idea of like embracing the the new technologies that come our way, and of course the the new and cool technology that is is you know taking the world by storm now that everyone's talking about. Um, and either excited about or feeling threatened by is AI. So what is your what is your take on, on AI? Uh,
1: I have a hot take about AI, which is it's not going to take away any jobs. It's going to be exactly like cloud was in a few years ago. It's going to create a lot of new jobs. Uh, AI doesn't create itself. It's not actually artificial intelligence. That's just like a... Cool name for it. There are lots of people working to generate those libraries. You deploy the code, uh, so it actually requires a lot of people, qualified people, engineers uh, to develop that. So it is a whole new field that's re- that's open for you. Uh, it's fascinating. It's It's very early days. So, yeah, it's going to create a lot of new jobs. So if we embrace it with open arms and open mind, it's exactly like uh, when Cloud was born, that people were scared. Oh, my God, it's going to take away jobs. And look at where we are today. So embrace it. Learn it. It's great. It's going to be good for us. Just don't be afraid because it's a new technology. It's just a tool. It's not something bad or crazy. Yeah, that's my hot take about the
0: Yeah, I, I totally just agree thing. with you. I totally agree with you. And I think, um, you know, like I, I think like with any new tools, it can be abused or it can be used to really enhance your job. And I think um, um, I think folks who end up using AI to like, quote unquote, cheat at their jobs or cheat, cheat at work. Right. Like using AI to write an essay you're doing yourself a disservice because then you're not learning. I mean, you lose out in the end, fine. You get the marks, but you still can't write. Um, yeah. Versus using AI as an aid, like the example that I like to give is like, um, you know, you're you're writing something, you've written something out, but there's like a character limit. Feed your text into AI to like, you know, hey, can you rewrite this so that it's it fits within the character limit? I feel like that's a perfectly valid use case for AI because like you wrote it, the concepts are there, it came from your brain, but AI is just taking that little extra burden off of you so that you, you can complete that last step or you can use AI as like inspiration, as a starting point for code if you don't know a particular language, but you know how to code, but you don't know the nuances of that language. So AI can give you like that starting point, but you still have to complete it. You still have to
1: complete You can use it as like a skeleton generator okay but you still have to um, refine the results and you have to analyze it to make sure that the generated content makes sense so if you don't know if it makes sense it could have generated um, comp- something that is useless something that's bad something that won't work so um, a, a great idea like something that I try, I suggest to people is ask AI to generate a recipe for mm. bread, something mm. simple as a recipe for bread, try mm-hmm. to make that bread, sometimes it won't work, okay, because anything that's bread related, is kind of
0: tricky, <laughs> it's voodoo, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Bread, yeah, bread is tricky for sure,
1: so yeah, so sometimes it won't work, so maybe it will work, but you can't be sure unless you have made bread before,
0: yeah. 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 That's so true. And it's interesting too, because like, you know, trying it, even if you've not made bread before, right. And then you, you take the AI recipe, try to make bread. It, uh, it fails. Then you can use that as a springboard to like, but why did it fail? Then you can do some research, right? So still need to use your brain there, which I think that that's at the end of the day, like the important thing, right. Even, even like the, the AI prompt engineer, like, When I first heard this idea of like a prompt engineer, I honestly, I thought it was funny. Um, but it's, it's in the same way that like we as software engineers or, or ops folks, whatever SREs, like when we're trying to solve a technical problem, we're going on stack overflow. We're trying to, you know, ask Google, like figure out how to phrase the question correctly in Google making sure that you're even asking the correct question. And I feel like when working with AI, it's a similar sort of concept. And
1: if you think about the prompt engineer, which is someone adjusting the prompts uh, they feed to AI to get the correct results, isn't that very similar to a platform engineering adjusting Terraform code to generate the correct um, results on the cloud? Uh, compared to what we used to do as a system, I mean that we would go directly into the machine. Ooh,
0: yes. that is a hot take. That is a hot take. I like it. I like it. That is a very cool way of looking at it. <laughs> yeah. So
1: maybe that is the new job, uh, the prompt engineering. That's a new career path that someone will follow, uh, probably in data engineering. Uh, and I'm excited to see what comes of it. I. I'm very open to new tech uh and seeing what the world brings us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm right there with you. Um I think I think prompt engineering uh prompt engineering can be very fun. Yeah, and don't be don't be afraid of AI. I, I think uh there's some cool things that can come of it. It can really help with our with our jobs and um yeah. it'll be exciting to see where it takes us. Um I, I was talking to someone yesterday about AI and I'm like Oh, you know, like could we ever find our posi- ourselves in a position where we end up with with Skynet? Um, and uh, <laughs> you know, you always think about these things. But uh, I, don't think I we, uh, love Terminator. <laughs> I love Terminator too. I always think of Terminator whenever <laughs> this AI stuff's coming about. I'm like, oh, all hail our evil robot overlords! Here we go. <laughs> but uh, I, I think this. It's. I think there's some exciting times. There's some cool stuff to come out of it um ai is a human enhancer
1: (laughs) human enhancer i like that yeah it's a good approach i don't think we are quite ready for skynet It's going to take i don't know maybe a thousand years for us to reach skynet level
0: of things yeah yeah hopefully we won't get to skynet levels fingers crossed Well, we yeah. are just coming up on time, but uh, thank you, Hanatha, so much for, uh, for geeking out with me today. Um, do you have any like parting words of wisdom to share with, uh, with folks out there? Well, just don't be
1: afraid. Embrace new tech, as I usually say. Stronger people build a stronger world.
0: Uh, and peace out and geek out. Thank you so much and y'all don't forget to subscribe be sure to check out the show notes for additional resources and to connect with us and with our guests on social media thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you for inviting me today and peace out and geek out.
0: Geeking Out is hosted and produced by me Adriana Videla. I also compose and perform the theme music on my trusty clarinet. Geeking Out is also produced by my daughter, Hannah Maxwell, who incidentally designed all of the cool graphics. Be sure to follow us on all the socials by going to bento.me geekingout.